next, not this Friday, but the following Friday, October. It still says September, you guys. October 28th. Um, unfortunately, I can't help. I'm going to be in South Carolina. Sorry. But if any, <laughs> no, for real, I am. <laughs> so um, that begins at 530 to 8 for all ages. So all the kids are invited. And then at 8, it's the lock-in for just 5th to 12th grade, right? So underneath that, buddy, under 5th grade, 8 p.m., got to go. So I don't know. What will you do if they don't go? Kick, kick them out. Get she out will not. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So that is Friday, October 28th. Um, sign up if you, if you want to help, because I know that they'd love help, right? Yes. Okay, great. Um, there is um, a Next Steps coming up on November 6th. If you're interested in that, that's just um, if you're interested in church membership, we got a sign back there. And then there is a sweatshirt sign up. Um, what? The sweatshirt sign up is back there. So we have new sweatshirts. I don't know. Where did you see them? Or were they on Instagram or something? Samara wore one Sunday. Kylan's got one on today. Um, there's some different colors, but we have a sweatshirt sign up in the back if you want one. Um, and you don't have to pay for it until they come. So if you want one, we've got that back there. And I think that that's all. So are you guys ready? Are you ready? All right. So go ahead and Mike's stand to your feet. Mike, <laughs> he just said, poor Mike. Let praise be open, that silence is the enemy. Let praise be open, that conquers all anxiety.
this evening. Go around and greet your family of faith. It's good to have you there checking in kids and kids church. Get your tithe and offering ready. If you have something to give, go ahead and, and prepare that. And then those of you that are headed out for the small groups, we'll take up offering. And then you can head to that small group as soon as um, uh, we're finished taking up offering here. But we've got to give them a second to get their kids checked in downstairs. Then we'll take it. Or if you're in the small group, you can give your offering to somebody to bring. And you can head down. We're going to meet in the corner uh, room down in, in uh, the basement past the kids' church. That's where that group's going to meet tonight. So, good to have everybody tonight. So, if you do have uh, offering to prepare, offering envelopes in the chairs in front of you, or wave your hand around and Mike will help you out, or one of the ushers will help you out. But it's good to have you all tonight. So, we'll give them just a second. As, as Margo was saying, uh, the t-shirt thing back there, I'm sporting one of them tonight, so if you're interested, they got like the off color of this one, and there's a whole other one back there with a, a verse on it. You can see those back there. And then one more announcement uh, that we didn't have at the front, um, Sunshine Nursing Home Outreach is happening this Saturday at 10 a.m., and they're going to Urbana Place. So if you have questions about that, you can see Al, or you can see Mike, and uh, they'll tell you everything that's happening with that. We're always excited. Uh, to get out and do stuff in our community, and that's what this is all about. So, see them, it's always a great time. So, let me pray over tithe and offering. If you have something, you can bring it. Lord, we thank you uh, to be in your house tonight on a Wednesday night, but together uh, with those in worship and now in our giving, Lord, I pray you continue to unite us together in who we are, growing in you, becoming like you. And I pray in that we are people uh, who have the same giving heart that you have, Lord. Grow us and, and change us into that so we can be people who bring the kingdom to the world. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So if you have it, you can bring it. And after we dismiss here, the small group is dismissed. So you guys can get down with Tori. If you don't know where that's at, just she's at the back there. You can follow her. All right, but it's good to have you. If you've got your Bibles, you can break them out. And Ephesians chapter 6 is where we are. Got a little bit of a, a feedback happening there. If somebody could let Tom know. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 1. So let's, let's read through this text as, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, not verse number 1. We, we can do children obey your parents, but that's not where we're at. So uh, verse 10. 
How many, how many of y'all still obey your parents? Let me see. Yeah, man, if my dad calls, I, I hop too. So never lose respect for, for mom and dad because eventually you'll reap what you sow, right? So anyways, um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. There we are. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day or the day of evil. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, talking about Paul, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel which I'm an ambassador in chains, and Paul is writing this from a prison at this point, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So we know that Paul, again, he's a great list maker. And he often, in just a few short sentences, says a lot of stuff because he's a very dense writer. Okay? And, and, and he has this in uh, this passage that we just read. And Paul is closing out his letter to the church in Ephesus, and obviously that finally it's, it's a, a, a signal that he's headed towards the end here. He wants to encourage them to stand firm, and that word he puts there, to persevere. That we know, as we talked about last week, there is the enemy, there is the hierarchy of evil that is out there in the unseen realm, which is just as real as the realm that we see and the realm that we perceive, Okay. And this uh, means that there literally is a battle in which we engage spiritually. It's there. It's real. And it's, we cannot be ignorant of it because, again, it puts proper perspective on how we perceive and approach the world that we live in. You can spend a lot of time fighting flesh and blood, what you can see, and ultimately at the end of the day, it doesn't get you very far. We must deal with what's behind what we don't see because everything we see has a root in what we don't see. So can you see God right now? No, but he is the beginning of all things. Yep. So everything that is seen ultimately has a root in what we cannot see. And even in things that God has created, there's an unseen realm in which is the seed and the root of the things that we do see. Uh, so even in our, 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 our being who we are, you obviously can see me here, 
but you can't see all of me because I have a spirit. So there is always an engaging with something you don't see behind the things that you do see. So Paul's uh, letting us know, and we talked about this last week, our battle is not against all the stuff that we can see. Our battle is engaged in what we don't see. There is an enemy, and we must learn to engage him because simply this, he is trying to engage us. And whether or not you realize it, he does so, and it happens. Okay, so uh, you, can, you have people, I don't believe in God. Does that negate that he exists? No. Well, I don't believe in the devil. Okay, does that negate that he exists? Absolutely not. Well, I don't believe in all this, this cosmic powers that Paul is listing here. Okay, you don't have to believe in it, but it still exists. And there are plans and schemes and a working out of, they are simply trying to perpetuate sin in the world and keep people blinded to the salvation that we can find in God through Jesus Christ. That, that's sort of the, the general plan. So we're called to engage these things. And what Paul is saying is, as we said last week, you can live a life that's in the strength and the power of God. You can do so. If you choose to engage with God to put on what he has for you to do so. Okay? Um, it's kind of like if you've ever played sports or a contact sport, if you've played football, they wouldn't let you, but I guess you could go out there with no pads on. And you jump down on, on the defensive line and, and the offense lines up and you got these big 6'3", 300-pound you know, dudes all in their gear and you're going to jump out there and you're going to get smashed just by the fact that they, they got gear on and you don't and they're going to plow you. You're going to get hurt. So there are things that Paul's talking about that we can engage with God to have in our life to properly engage the enemy because he is there and he exists. So again, a dense list of Paul is using as his example, a Roman soldier. Very prevalent. Uh, all of these areas to which these letters are going are occupied by the Romans. It's Roman territory. They have come in. They've taken it. They rule it. And there is a military presence in these areas to keep uh, order and keep rule. So an obvious example is he sees a Roman soldier, and he sees uh, part of the armory of the soldier, and he applies different uh, things that we can have as a believer to stand firm against the enemy and his schemes, and he just uses an analogy of what he's seeing that everybody knows of. So let's talk about a couple of them tonight. So the first one that Paul lists is, let's go back to uh, verse 14. It says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Now, I'm not going to whip out a bunch of props on this, okay? If you want to do that, you can go home and do that yourself, okay? So um, the belt of truth. So, so a belt, in, especially in the, in the armory, it was, it, was, uh, it was there to help hold things together in their proper place. And notice he calls it the belt of of truth buckled around your waist. I have an interesting thing. So John, let's go to John chapter 18. We're going to just jump around to some uh, passages tonight. John chapter 18 and verse number 37. This is Jesus before Pilate. And 
uh, sort of an interesting interaction between Pilate and Jesus. Jesus is, is about to be crucified. Uh, he had been arrested, and he's going through the trials that he ends up uh, being crucified after. So John 18 and verse number 37 says, Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king, and for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate says something that, that is the question everybody faces. Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? Is there really an absolute? Is there something that's true for everybody? What is truth? And absolutely everybody at some point faces a question, is there an absolute that we say is the truth? Well, those who believe in Jesus, and we believe that. We believe there is an absolute. We believe God is absolute. We believe Father, Son, Holy Spirit is truth. So John chapter 14 and verse number 6. It says, and Jesus said to him, Jesus is interacting with somebody here. And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we're going to see scripture. There's different ways that truth is presented. And, and the biggest thing I think we want to key on here is that we believe the absolute, we believe truth is Jesus himself. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and he is the only way to salvation. In other words, there is no other way to reconcile relationship with God without Jesus. So Jesus is truth. So you must put on yourself that holds things together the fact that Jesus is absolute and not waver from that belief. So Jesus is truth. But, but here's another way uh, that we can look at this. So John chapter 8. We'll stay all in the book of John on, on this. John chapter 8, and verse number 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. And what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. So Jesus himself is truth, the truth, right? But what follows is to abide in him, to stay in him, is to listen to what is he saying? To live those things brings about a happening in your life that brings freedom. One of the ways that we come against the schemes of the enemy is to live in freedom. You know that? Practical application. Does the devil want you bound? Oh, my goodness. We're going to talk about this Sunday with encounters with Jesus. Does the devil want you bound? Yeah. Does he want you shackled with issues in your life? Yeah. Does he want you oppressed with, with problems and, and uh, things that sort of hold you back and keep you boxed in? Yep. 
But the truth, Jesus and his way of life will set you free. So this is one way that it centers us. It is what holds things together, this belt of truth buckled around our way. Jesus is the truth. And abiding in what he says is the truth. And in those things, we find freedom. Another thing that happens with this, John chapter number 16 and verse number 13. John chapter 16 and verse number 13. So this is talking about, uh, and Jesus is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit after he ascends. It says, when the spirit of truth comes. So how, how did Jesus just describe the Holy Spirit? The spirit of what? Spirit of truth. So when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you things that are to come. He will glorify me, talking Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit is sent to us, the spirit of truth, to continue to guide us in truth because he glorifies Jesus, the truth, right? And he continues to teach us and hold us to the things that Jesus said. So another way to see that, if you stay in the book of John, John chapter 14 and verse number 26. Another description of the Holy Spirit here. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So, you believe in Jesus, right? But how do you stay in this idea of living a life in him with the help of the Holy Spirit? So this belt of truth, the belt buckle of truth, however you want to say it, is this firm foundation of a belief in Jesus and the life in him because we follow what he has said. Therefore, it helps to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. Because the enemy would like to pull you off of that truth. And however he can make it happen, he's working that way. So truth is Jesus. Truth in, is doing what he says to help set you free. And, and then we're helped in this process of truth with the Holy Spirit. We're not left alone. So the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So 3 John, let's go to another writing of John, but the, one of the epistles of John. 3 John, chap, or verse number 3. There's only one, technically, chapter in 3 John. 3 John 3. Let me get there. There we go. 3 John 3, it says, For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, in other words, how they were living, as indeed you were walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. So living in the truth is a way of life, is a way that we walk out our everydays with the understanding of our belief in Jesus. Now, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Live it. How does that change your life because he is the truth? Live it. It does no good 
to claim there is an absolute, but not let that absolute change your life. It does no good. Your belief is just a belief. It doesn't turn into faith accompanied by some sort of works. In other words, life that is lived, that is changed, freedom being found, and all the different things that happen. So living in Jesus is a way that we walk in life. This is the belt of truth that helps us war against the enemy. All right, the next one. We'll just cover a couple of them tonight. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. There we go. Back to verse 14. Again, stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth. And the next one he says, this next analogy, this next example is, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So, so there was a piece of armor that would be a breastplate. It would be a, a piece of metal of some sort that would cover the torso. In other words, it would cover your most important organs in your body. Okay? So this breastplate, in essence, it guards your heart. The breastplate of righteousness. So in this, we know that God himself is righteous. And he's righteous in his holiness and he's righteous in his faithfulness. And the Bible talks in a lot of different ways about righteousness. It, it causes us to pursue righteousness. It causes us to practice righteousness. It says there is a fruit of righteousness, a way that we live that, that produces that we have been made righteous. In other words, this is all living out our salvation. So Romans chapter 3 and verse number 21 Again, centered on Jesus here. Romans chapter 3, verse number 21. But now a righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace, as a gift, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Let's read another one, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 21. It says, for our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin." In other words, on the cross, he took our sin into his body. He knew no sin. Of course, Jesus lived a sinless life. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So those two verses, what Paul is writing in, in both passages there, is that in the work of Jesus on the cross, we are made righteous. We have become the righteousness of God. As it says in Romans, for all who believe. Okay, gift of God. Again, show of hands, how many of you believe? You've been made righteous, you know that? Did you know that? Did you, do you feel righteous? Probably not. You probably don't feel righteous, but you are. 
Are you perfect? No. Are you working out your salvation? Yep. But are you righteous? Listen, in his sight, in the forgiveness through Jesus? Absolutely. To be righteous simply means to be in right standing with God. I have been made right. We are righteous in his sight. It is a, a justification. It's a legal term. We are declared in the right. So in other words, it is that if somebody has done wrong, that that person then is absolved of the wrong and declared, but now you are in right standing. There is nothing legally binding against you any longer. Isn't that a nice thing? Amen. That's a wonderful thing. That we have been set free, but declared right in God's sight. I am righteous. Not perfect, but righteous. Working it out, yep, but I'm righteous. And I have to believe that. It's, see, we have to come to terms with what God says about us. I think we struggle with that sometimes. I think it's nice to say, well, yeah, I guess we're righteous. But, but has it really clicked in your mind and your heart that you really are in right standing with him? That the only way there is proper access to relationship with him is because you're in right standing with him. You know that? The only way you're a child of God is because you're in right standing with him. You're no longer an orphan. He, he brought you into his family. You're adopted in. And you have the full rights as a son and a daughter of God in right standing. I'm righteous before him. And what that does is it absolutely positively guards my heart. You know why? Because what the enemy would like to do is to remind me how much of a bad person I am. The enemy would like to remind me of all the sin of my life. He would like to remind me how many times I've made this specific mistake and sinned against God. He would like me actually to live under condemnation and bear the weight of my past mistakes. See, what righteous says again, I'm in the right standing is, as I'm standing here today, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Forgive me my sins. Amen. Amen. Right here, everything behind in my past is absolutely forgiven. It's gone. If, if it was a whiteboard here, it had been totally erased off. Even if it was a bad whiteboard and there's little smudges, no smudges. I mean, it's completely white, brand new, like it just came out of the store. I'm, I'm right before him. Everything behind me. So this whole idea of Pursuing righteousness, living a life that has the fruit of righteousness, that's life in front of me. I'm forgiven behind. Now I can continue to pursue what I have been made and given. Amen. That guards me right here. That the enemy can't bring me back to my past. Nor can he bring my past back to me unless I allow him to. Isn't that right? Amen. That breastplate of righteousness guards who I am. It, it guards my identity in him. That I am absolutely, positively a child of God. It guards me. And the enemy can't make me think anything different if I don't allow him to. He can't, he can't tell me God really doesn't care. Not true that God maybe really hasn't forgiven you of this specific thing. Not true. 
That God's left you alone? Not true. That God really doesn't care about you? Not true. Not true, not true. I am in right standing. He, he can't bring fear to my life that someday you, the whole this forgiveness business, you're going to stand before him. He's going to say, ah, just kidding. You're a, you're a vile sinner, zap, and, and you go to the bad place. Not happening. I'm in right standing with God. He has patience with me as I pursue righteousness. And I see the fruit of righteousness growing in my life, the pursuit of godliness and, and keeping my mind on things above. But in this life that I'm living, that breastplate of righteousness, my understanding of my standing is vitally important. Because if the devil can get you to think you're not good enough or maybe you haven't been forgiven or that weight of condemnation's on you, it's much easier to walk back into what you were. Isn't that right? Have you ever made a mistake, sinned or, or did something, and you felt ashamed to even go to God about it? Amen. You know how much easier it is to stay in that then? Because you feel ashamed, and you don't feel you're good enough, and maybe this time, this is the straw that broke the camel's back, God's mad, he's not going to receive you, right? And, we, and we, then we stay there, and it multiplies. The breastplate of righteousness guards you against that. Not that you'll never make a mistake again, you, you probably will, but that breastplate of righteousness reminds you of who you are. As a matter of fact, you can think about it, it'll be marked in some way. You want to think of a cross on there or some sort of a lion, an emblem of, of the, the Lion of Judah. It's marked with your identity, that who you belong to. Yeah, you ever see soldiers are out there, especially in the, uh, the olden, more olden wars, the more romantic wars back when, they always carried uh, battle standards. The identification of who we are. And, 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 if, the, and if things got crazy... You had to reestablish the line. They'd look for the battle state. Oh, this is where we're reestablishing the line. Re reform here, right? Always an identification. See, the breastplate of righteousness will have an identification. This is who I am. And nobody can tell me anything different. And the devil can get in your mind and start messing with your identity. He's going he's gonna to start to make some headway in some things. I am a child of God. Why? Because I believe in the truth. And my belief in the truth simply affords me a righteousness that I did not earn because I cannot earn it. But it guards me then to begin a life of living in him and by him and for him. Amen? So it guards you. We've got to learn to put this stuff on. And I would like to say, I would like to say that I, pr I pray a prayer, Jesus, forgive me. And we know he does so. And then you sort of just hit cruise control. And kind of, if you bought one of those new, one of those cars that drive themselves, whatever. I would never do that, but whatever. It's like you sit back in one of those cars that drive themselves, you kick back, and, and someday it gets you to heaven. Unfortunately, the enemy's not like that. 
If you think you're going to kick back and drive a car that's going to, or a car's going to drive itself and you're just going to end up there someday, the enemy's going to bring a big semi beside your car. He's going to run you off the road. <laughs> you have got to stay engaged. So I'm aware that he has plans and he has schemes. So what I'm going to do is I will never waver from my belief in the truth. Amen. It holds it together. I will never waver from the fact that I have a helper with me to stay in the truth. Thank goodness. And I'm going to equip myself with what I need to guard against the enemy messing with my identity as a child of God, righteous in his sight. And I won't let him play that game with me. I won't let him. By the way, sometimes I think we can be deceived into uh, what the enemy is trying to do. I think sometimes we ourselves are our own worst enemy. Amen. The devil doesn't need to mess with us a whole lot. We are our own worst enemy. It's not only not we don't put it on, but we purposely don't put it on. Or maybe when you got it on, sometimes you take it off. And he didn't do that to you. Again, this everyday, purposeful, conscious, deliberate way of living life. It's active. It's not passive. That I purposely put it on because it's who I am. And, and, and if it's me that's fighting this battle... Maybe I don't want to be that because I want to stay in this specific sin or, or maybe I know God's calling me this way but I don't want to do that because of the cost of it or the change that I'll have or it's not my comfort zone. And we, start, we stay away from engaging with God because of things like this. You'll find yourself unprotected from the schemes and the plans what the devil's up to. And by the way, a lot of times... Things happen in your life, it's very obvious. This is the enemy. You ever have one of those moments, all of a sudden it's this light bulb goes on, and you go, wow, this is just super obvious. The devil is, is, is up to something. More often than not, it's very sly. More often than not, it's very subtle. More often than not, it's not a fireworks, but, it, but it's, it's, it's something sneaking up behind you. Okay? So we need to be in discernment about what the enemy is up to, but I'm not waiting for something to feel like it's going wrong, to go, okay, I better, I better put on the breastplate of righteousness today. I need to activate every day. You need Jesus on your best day as much as you need him on your worst day. I can't do this without him. So every single day... Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't every day get up and read this and go, okay, i got to put on my belt of truth today. Okay, I gotta, if, you, if you need to do this and that works for you, go for it. That's you. But I don't literally go, okay, breastplate of righteousness. Okay, i got to put the feet fitted with, with the gospel piece. I, I don't think through it that way, but I'm engaging God daily enough that these things are part of who I am. When you pray, when you read your scripture, you may not specifically pray or read the armor of God, but you are doing things to equip your life in this manner. This is just an analogy that Paul uses. 
but a constant reminder because of prayer. You pray because you believe in the truth. Or else why do you pray? Right? You pray and you ask because you really believe you're a child of God, or why can you ask? So some of the things that we think are, are basic Christian one-on-one stuff, this is the stuff that we must do in engagement on a daily basis because this is the stuff that equips us right here because of what the devil is up to. Uh, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. So I'll close after this. There was a, there was a man that, that I knew that had severe back issues, like can't work, can't really, wasn't mobile, could not live life, to the point that they literally put pain uh, administration packs in his back where they would bulge out, like under his skin, to constantly administer pain medicine to the area, whatever it was, so at least could, could function a little bit, right? Do you know that God absolutely positively touched his body and healed him. Do you know that that guy, as far as I know, at least the last time I knew, walked away from Jesus completely? Now, you would think, you would think that if God did something for you in that manner, I would never not serve him and follow him, right? But the devil can be sneaky. And, and the devil, again, remember we were saying last week, if, if you had to prepare a plan against you, what would you prepare against yourself? He's, he's smart enough to know. You know what I'm saying? How, whatever, I don't know the circumstances. I don't know what happened. All I know is the last time somebody went to see him, he was literally out mowing his lawn, which he could not do before. And when he saw the person coming, he literally left his mower and just started trucking across town because he didn't want to talk to somebody. He literally ran from the conversation. Obviously, he couldn't have done that before. He was healed. But did not want the conversation. Hey, where have you been? What's going on? What's happening in life? He just he literally left the mower and ran. What happened? How, how can you go from such a miraculous... The devil, man, he's sneaky. So... Your past of what God has done does not give you excuse not to continue to engage him today. You see what I mean? You've got to continue to engage with God. And keep yourself at a place, whether or not it's you in, in your mind and things, or it is the enemy that's got... Whatever's happening, you stand Firm. Because I, I actually do think that God could give you all the desires of your heart and you could still walk away from him. It's absolutely possible. That we live a daily life purposely following him. And whether or not we think the devil's on our tail or not, that we're engaged and we're equipped in this day, as, as Paul writes there, the day of evil, if it may happen, the, the, the day that it's the worst day, you're prepared. Amen. So let's stay strong. Because like I said last week, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, how, how this starts. 
That's not a platitude. That can be a reality of your life. I believe that. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So if it's something straight out obvious like temptation, you're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Or if it's something sly that your, your, your discernment isn't quite picking up, it's okay because you're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And you stay there. Now, I hope, I pray, now I, I, just, I wasn't even thinking about that story. I hope that something happened that that man has come back to God. I hope so. I really do hope so, obviously. But let's not put ourselves in that spot. Stay strong. Stay engaged. Purposeful. Deliberate. And live for him every day. Amen? Amen. All right. Then because all things, all powers and authorities, because all things are under the feet of Jesus, there is nothing the devil can throw your way that you cannot overcome because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You believe that? To stand firm and strong in the power of his might. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you're with us, and we thank you that you're for us. We thank you that you're working for our good. We thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. We thank you. Lord, we do know there's an enemy out there, but we do not need to fear. We do not need to worry. Yes, he has schemes, but you are greater. Yes, he would like to blind the unbelievers from coming to know you, but your Holy Spirit is active in this world. Yes, he would like to bring condemnation back to our life, but no, the Holy Spirit's with us. We will not do that. Yes, he would like to drag us back into our former way of living, but we don't need to do that. You are with us, and we thank you for it. So I, I pray, Lord, that every day in our moments that we have just to engage with you in our prayer time in the Word or, or, just, or just crying out to you in worship, that we're engaging you in such a way that we're going to stand firm. We're not going to use excuses as to why we can't. But we are going to stand firm in you. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being here Sunday morning. Come on back. Encounters with Jesus. Uh, that small group.